This is the Yesu Communitas Podcast, a show devoted to Hmong American identity, theology, and mission. Thanks for joining this episode. Be sure to like today's show and subscribe to Yesu Communitas on iTunes. And now your hosts, Daniel, Myla, and George. Welcome back to another episode of Yesu Communitas. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And um, as Myla uh, introed in our last episode, we're going to be touching on some pretty hot topic issues. And today we have uh, charismatic theology um, as our main focus of this episode. So we went from Reformed. So we went from Reformed theology to charismatic <laughs> theology. Charismatic theology. <laughs> um, one thing we do want to note is that charismatic theology isn't on the other end of the spectrum of reformed theology but it's uh its own uh theology and um something that we ought to uh consider and develop thoughts around um and and even understand what the practices of charismatic theology are um it's important to to know that charismatic theology isn't liberal theology it isn't um emotion-led theology, um, but that it's found in Scripture, um, that it's founded in Scripture, and that uh, there are bits and pieces of of this theology that may seem like it's been taken on um, too far, and there's there's an extreme to it. Um, But what we want to do today is really understand what charismatic theology is, um, and we aren't taking a very authoritative approach on this. This is a what open discussion. George, you go to Ted's, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is a open discussion um, that we're we're wanting to have and and wanting to invite you guys into. Um, and you know the the real purpose of this is to to really spur the church on into uh, thinking more um, clearly along these these subjects. Um, and the reason we really want to touch uh, on this subject is because over the last decade or so, there's been an increase in charismatic movements, um, especially within the Hmong church. Um, and, and we want to understand also that this isn't from a CMA uh, Hmong district perspective, but that we're really wanting You're to... You're just trying to save yourself <laughs> <laughs> so that when you try to get ordained that they don't, uh, you know, ask you, but go on, George. <laughs> um, but that this is a broader conversation than, than what we've experienced maybe in the CMA, um, that there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who are a part of the ALG church, who are a part of other denominations who um, take on charismatic theology um, in, in practice uh, in different ways. And so wanting to be aware of all those things. Um, and so, in fact, one of the largest controversial topics in the Hmong community today um, revolves around spiritual healings and deliverance ministries. Um, and so we'll start here uh, with this intro question of understanding uh, what's happening with uh, a prominent figure in the Hmong church, um, Dr. Salat Vang. Um, what he's doing right now in his ministry, what we've seen on on YouTube, what we've seen and heard from friends and family, um, it's a it's an interesting space to find ourselves in as far as how do we process through what he's doing, um, how do we understand the ministry that he's providing. Um, so, Daniel, Myla, maybe give us uh, some of your thoughts on on what you have seen or what you've heard. 
elephant in the room, eh? <laughs> yeah. Good <laughs> question. <laughs> all took a big gulp <laughs> and a big drink of water. Um, well, I guess, I mean, maybe if you guys listened to our last episode, I kind of shared about how I kind of lumped Reformed theology because of a personality. Mm. Um, mm. And because of that one strong personality, I was, I was like, Reformed theology is terrible. I'm not reformed. And I had to learn for myself what that was and to actually do the hard work before I had an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And my opinion has changed tremendously. So I would say the same with um, charismatic theology. Like, it's dangerous when you lump it to one strong personality yeah, and everything you know is because of that. And then you're like, I'm not for the charismatic movement. Like it's bad, you know, it's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's the same thing. We tend to do the same thing. And I think we have to do the hard work of understanding, okay, what is behind all of this before we have an opinion on something just because of a strong personality. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind true. of what my yeah. thought of Dr. Salah is. Yeah. So you're skirting the question. <laughs> so that's my, you know, we're, 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 yeah, roundabout. basically gulp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Who wrote this episode, by the way? <laughs> Who wanted to come? Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, uh, you, you did a great job framing, uh, you know, why we're trying to get at this because, uh, the disunity in the Bible or sorry, in the, in the body of Christ, uh, is, uh, has the potential to, um, do a, a bunch of things. Number one, it discredits the testimony of Christ. Uh, mm-hmm. number two, uh, it distracts us from mission. Uh, and number three, it can actually even turn people away from Christ. And mm-hmm. so, um, so that this is why I think it's important for us to talk about these things. Uh, you know, we're definitely not the authority. We're just sojourners, uh, you know, uh, MDiv and 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 um, masters and doctoral students in theology. So we're we're just trying to figure some of the stuff out for ourselves. Um, you know, uh, so I think when you ask about a prominent uh, figure, um, you know, we, we, we don't have any say into their ministry or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think as casual observers, all of us, um, you know, we, we, we're, we're entitled to have opinions and thoughts. Um, I'll have to, you know, uh, preface mine with that. Uh, I know Dr. Salat personally. Uh, mm-hmm. I've known him since I was a kid. I uh, met him when I was seven, uh, so man, 31 years that I've known him. Mm-hmm. Our families are very close. As a matter of fact, his grandmother and my dad are first cousins, so um, we're very close. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, he's a doctor, not because he is a PhD demon. He's a doctor because he's a chiropractic doctor, and I think he's got his um, MD as well. So that's why he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I've, I've got some really fun stories about him. He's a fun guy, actually. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, and I, I, uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's really a fun guy, actually, if you know him. Um, uh, Dr. Slot, sorry if I tell all your secrets, but when we were younger, he taught me, he was trying to teach me how to disco dance. Because <laughs> yes. I think he was, he wanted to be a disco dancer at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and their family's pretty prominent in the Hmong family or in the Hmong community. Uh, a lot of uh, attorneys and, and, and he was the doctor and stuff like that. So personally, you know, I, you know, I, I want to, you know, respect kind of uh, his, um, you know, our families. And so, um, and then uh, you know they're they're all very God fearing too. Like I, mm-hmm. from what I know of their family and his his other uncle um, was the president of the um, uh, uh, of the uh, Hmong Baptist National Association for for decades, wow. twenty years. I mean, uh, Jong, uh, him and again him and my dad are super close. You know, and mm-hmm. so um, uh, I I I 
I really uh, honor their family. They're good people, you know, or, you know, just like all of us, we have our, you know, flaws and stuff like that, but they're really good people. Um, you know, uh, but you know, the doctor slot that, um, uh, and I'm very open. You know, here, here's the fun thing. I wonder if next time we should just have like an interview with Dr. Slot. Like I would totally be open to that. Yeah. And you know, I'd be even, you know, um, you know, if he listens to this episode or whatever, you know, I'd be very interested in knowing his thoughts, but you know, um, uh, I don't know much about his ministry. Um, you know, uh, I knew more about his, you know, journey into medicine. Uh, very smart guy. You know, somebody who's mm-hmm. got, you know, two doctorate degrees. I mean, smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also know that, you know, they had a, a miraculous healing in their family that kind of led them in this particular direction. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. again, uh, usually there's some kind of catalyst thing that leads you into exploring the deeper things of God. And my understanding is that um, that's what happened to them. Um, you know, uh, so... But similar to many people, you know, when you see uh, things online, YouTube, Facebook, um, mm-hmm. you know, personally, I have been concerned about, you know, methods and techniques and mm-hmm. um, perception and, and, and those kinds of things, because we see this, you know, with the broader uh, church, you know, it's not just a Hmong American thing. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen this with the other church and, um, you know... Um, the uh the you know miracle healers and all that stuff and uh and we've seen where it's turned people off you know Mm -hmm. and so i do think like i i totally am uh sympathetic to the concerns um you know i've um i you know i I caution some of us when we kind of like poke fun at it and we you know have you seen that benny hinn like video (laughs) where he's he's doing hadouken and then like everybody's falling over you know (laughs) Uh, you know, I laugh at that stuff you know, <laughs> because it's just like ridiculous, oh. you know, like I laugh at it because it's completely ridiculous. You know, when I'm holy and in close with the Holy Spirit, you know, a part of me mourns, you know, and a part of me is like, yes. you know, God, what's going on? And so um, when I see um, uh, the videos that are circulating online, you know, I, I have questions. I'm not going to lie. I have questions. Um mm-hmm. And, um, but I feel obligated to, uh, suspend full judgment until I've had like inside knowledge of, you know, of, of yeah. what's motivating. And so if I sound a little bit hesitant, it's because I am hesitant, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm nobody's, uh, authority. Um, but here's the thing I'm, I am, I am concerned when I see those kinds of things, right? Let's generalize it. I'm very yes. concerned when I see those kinds of things to the point where I do want to, um, uh, provide a caution and a strong, a strong caution, a warning even, uh, and just jumping head f- uh, long into those things uh, mm-hmm. without understanding what's going on. Yeah. You know? Yes. And so, if I could speak <clears throat> in broad terms, I'd say that that when I see things like that, when I see the videos without knowing what's behind it and the heart behind it, um, I'm naturally going to say I'm cautious. You should be cautious. Mm-hmm. And until we have face to face conversations, I can't promote uh, certain things. You know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think um, my thoughts on. On those types of ministries, um, not just with Dr. Salat, but um, in general across the board, um, you know, as as we see these things happening in the Hmong church, in the Hmong community, um, 
we have to be aware of how how God is is reaching us mm-hmm. and how God is is using um, different men and women in the church to to provide these sorts of ministries. Yeah. Um, you know, we we all have our own experiences with the Holy Spirit, um, and that's you know kind of really where this all begins is uh, understanding that. Some of these experiences for those people are their conversion experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all judgments aside, um, we, we really ought to be concerned with the, the mode in which the gospel is being uh, presented and, and the ways that individuals are being um, led to Christ uh, in this, this way. I think... Um, as we look at his ministry, uh, you know, not critiquing it, but just wanting to understand it better, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we we have to really come with open hands and and open minds as to what it is that that God is calling him and other people who who practice in these ministries to. What is yeah. what is God allowing them to do, and uh, and and what is it that um, they are doing uh, that's good for for the kingdom and good for for those that they're serving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe as we um, transition a little bit uh, and, and dive deeper into charismatic theology, um, maybe just share a few words on um, what your understanding of charismatic theology is and and what it is that um, kind of are defining points to, yeah. to that theology. Yeah. Well, if you think about charismatic theology, it's not so much a set system, but it's a... Uh, a developing a theology or theologies around um, the gifts, right? Mm-hmm. So charismata just means the gifts, right? Uh, and when we say the gifts, we typically mean the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, and the gifts of Jesus, right? Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 and then all throughout the New Testament where uh, Paul and the other writers mentioned the gifts um, in, in for several different places, First uh, Corinthians you know, 12, 13, 14. And so it's developing a theology around the gifts, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the black and white positions um, that we learn in academic theology and in reading, uh, you know, is continuationist, you know, cessationist. These are terms that are used to describe uh, certain activity that are either continuing on today uh, or have, you know, seized, you know, mm-hmm. um, and seized with the times of the apostles. And so these get thrown into the conversation as well, right? And so if you uh, are similar to John MacArthur, you might be a little bit more of a cessationist or, or you might be a, a, you know, straight up cessationist because there are certain things that the Holy Spirit doesn't do anymore that was only done during the apostles' times through mm-hmm. the apostles, um, and I can see some things where you would be a cessationist, like in terms of like writing scripture. Yeah, I think, you know, most of the canon, all of the canon of the scripture has been written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're written by the apostles. Uh, and so I'm a cessationist when it comes to, you know, it's a closed canon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think some those are some of the defining points, you know. So underneath that would be things like speaking in tongues and deliverance and prophetic words and words of knowledge. Uh, if you're a cessationist, you're probably going to say that these things don't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, like Reformed theology we mentioned in the last episode, there's a spectrum, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these tends to be some of the uh, main issues. You know, we we delve deeper into it. Things like baptism, the Holy Spirit, what does that really mean? 
um, you know, uh, miraculous healing, uh, question of agency methods, you know. Um, but I think at a, a very superficial level, we're just talking about uh, how do we develop a theology around the gifts that are mentioned in the Bible? Myla? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> something that's also helpful for me is um, you don't have to pick one over the other. Mm. Uh, I met a guy once and I was like, are you reform or charismatic? He's like, I'm a reform charismatic. And I was like, you can be both, you know? <laughs> and because I always felt this tension of, do I have to be one or the other and so who do I associate myself with? I think that was really freeing for me of um, understanding, like, it's not black and white. It's not this defining line. Yeah. Of, if you're reformed, you can't be charismatic. If you're charismatic, you can't have reformed theology. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was also really important for me to see, like, this spectrum blurs and it it meets in the middle somewhere, yeah. you know. And so I think that coexisting theology is actually there. And I think because we see the extremes, we tend to camp ourselves on one or the other, but actually that the, the blur of the two, it's actually, it's more dominant than we actually talk about or see and think. Mm -hmm. And it's common in the Hmong church. I mean, to like, like my dad, uh, if you talk to my dad, who's, you know, who's never had a theological education in in the formal sense, Mm -hmm. he's very much a Calvinist. Like, uh, (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've talked to him. He was like, yeah, yeah, your cousins. I guess God has not decided uh, that they're, you know, because uh, he prays for people. And, you know, uh, so in the sense of like, you know, reform, predestination, that understanding, I'm like, man, my dad's a pretty classic Calvinist when it comes to that. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, he very much believes in like demon possession and deliverance mm-hmm. and um, those things that we would classify as more charismatic tendencies. Uh, so, you know, this is not just like a, you know, uh, w- Western classification. I think within the Hmong church, we have reformed-ish people, even though they can articulate it, uh, and then mm-hmm. charismatic-ish people, even though they can articulate it, you yeah. know, and that, and that tends to be the central basic foundation of the, the Hmong experience anyways, because, yeah. you know, if you go back to the early movements of Hmong people coming to know Christ, mm-hmm. they're like, man, we were stuck in like you know, heaven on uh, hell on earth, enslaved to sin, enslaved to ourselves, enslaved to mm-hmm. demons and spirits. And then, you know, in God's sovereignty, he came and he rescued us and mm-hmm. he continues to rescue us. That's pretty good reformed charismatic theology, if you ask me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really think that, um, especially in the Hmong church, there's there's been this pendulum swing that we find ourselves on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's uh, this like Daniel was saying, good, solid understanding that, um, you know, we, we were enslaved to, to our demons and, and to the spirits who, who would keep us locked up in fear. Um, and that, that God came and saved us and that now we rely on the Holy spirit as opposed Mm -hmm. to the spirits that we would pray to, or that we would try to offer things up to. Now we, we have an understanding that, um, you know, it's the Holy spirit that we do things through. Um, and and I remember as a kid, um, the very first time that I heard of speaking in tongues, uh, and and this isn't to to throw my parents under the bus or anything, but their experience of it, their understanding of it was that's not from yeah the Holy Spirit. That's yeah. not you know, and so there is this fear of of spiritual practices of mm-hmm. um, of what. And we had funny names to describe them too. I don't know about your church, but like, I didn't mean to cut you off, but mm-hmm. like, we would say Chukanja, 
which I really didn't know what that means. <laughs> and then we all say, Chukota. Chukota, yeah. That was mm-hmm. kind of like we grew up like classifying the charismatics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so there, you know, these depictions of, of what charismatic, uh, practical charismatic theology looked like. Um, and, and it was scary mm, to, yeah. to a lot of, um, people in the Hmong church as, as far as, um, and, and this isn't to exclude, you know, those, those churches who, who practice speaking in tongues and things like mm-hmm. that, but just so that we all understand, like there's a portion of the church, a pretty large portion of the yeah. church that really doesn't understand, um, the space of, yeah. of charismatic theology and, and are often afraid to step into these spaces and these conversations. I, I remember like being warned, oh, yeah, you don't jubilee, or something like that, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and uh, it was a very condescending, you know, I, and man, think about this possibly blasphemous way to, mm. to frame the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, to the point where, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I think you grew up in a similar church to us. It took us a long time to be comfortable with things like lifting our hands mm-hmm. uh, because we were very careful that you didn't want to be, you didn't want to don't you bleed, you know, or you didn't want to be chakoto, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there's probably some other prominent charismatic leaders, uh, prior to Dr. Salat that, you know, um, if I said their names, I can say their names, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, some of these guys, um, are the early, um, you know, uh, founders of the, the, mm-hmm. the charismatic Hmong church in America. Um, you know, again, I, I, I'm not a part of that historically, but I, rem- I have the vague memories of how <laughs> we were very condescending towards Mm-hmm. Uh, those who practice more of a charismatic uh, theology. Yeah, and so I, I I do believe, and I you know if I hadn't mentioned this earlier, um, or if I did, I'll repeat it again. As we step into these conversations, as um, you listeners are are thinking about these things, uh, to to remember to extend grace where grace needs to be extended, and mm-hmm. um, you know in areas where we don't understand fully, um, not yeah. to, to write those things off, but to, yeah. to really seek out the Lord in, in those spaces to, to really understand better mm-hmm. um, what it means to, to be gifted and what it means to um, utilize the giftings of the Holy Spirit um, in ways that uh, the, the Apostle Paul teaches us to, uh, in ways to edify the church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so as we move forward, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of questions that we have then about the practicality of, of um, charismatic theology and where we find it and, and the ways that it comes out. And so uh, how do we recognize spiritual warfare Things like spiritual oppression, possession, um, and and how practically uh, we we utilize what the spirits given us to um, combat those things, mm-hmm. and and in addition to that, um, what does it look like for us to understand the giftings and discipleship, and and um, what does charismatic theology offer up for us uh, when we look at discipling others. Uh, for me, I think um, this is where, um, uh, for those of us who grew up in more uh, uh, less charismatic traditional churches, conservative churches, um, you know, the joke is, you know, our Trinity was God the Father, God the Son, 
and got the Holy Scriptures. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. so mm-hmm. uh, that probably ex- explains a lot of our experiences. Um, for for those of us who grew up in a similar tradition to that, um, you know, it wasn't that the Holy Spirit wasn't present. The Holy Spirit's always present, you know, mm-hmm. and Holy Spirit's not something that you use or Holy Spirit's not something that you... Um, you know, or are even like uh, inhabited by necessarily, even though the scripture is just talking about how the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Mm-hmm. Um, Holy Spirit's a uh, a person. Holy Spirit is uh, God, and um, I think we need to 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 be reconciled to that yeah. to that fact. You know mm-hmm. that um, even though we do develop a theology of of gifts around the person of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is not defined uh, by the these manifestations of the gifts, and I think. If we can get to that, because we have that understanding of Christ in, in a lot of ways, and we have that understanding of God the Father in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, but also, I don't believe that you think about the Holy Spirit the same way that you think about the Son or the way that you think about the Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we all believe they're all equal um, and they're all uh, equally God. But, we, you know, very few of us actually uh, are comfortable in relating to the Holy Spirit in the way that we have a relationship with God the Father or God the, the, the Son. And I think there's some practical elements in our basic day-to-day discipleship, you know, that if you don't respect the Holy Spirit as a person, hmm. then you're not going to know how to disciple people in the Spirit, hmm. you know? Hmm. Um, that your conversation is boiled down to only gifts uh, and only... Uh, manifestations of the gifts. Um, and so, uh, but it's never about a relationship with a being, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's not about how th- this being is also related to the, to, to Jesus and to the father. Mm-hmm. We don't understand that dynamic. And so, um, so how do we get practical about, you know, um, uh, discipleship that is affirming of a solid biblical theology of, um, of the gifts? Um, it comes down to, well, how do you walk daily with uh the holy spirit right mm-hmm. and um man okay i'm i'm about to i'm about to get some emails george okay <laughs> so i was listening to bill johnson all right okay let, let that sit there i was listening to bill johnson mm-hmm. <laughs> and um and he provided this most of you guys uh, you, you my you're probably familiar with this um illustration and he talks about when jesus was baptized right and he was in the river jordan and what happened the Holy Spirit descended on him, right? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And so so Bill Johnson, he's a creative teacher. Um, and so here's the thing about, okay, here's a side note. Uh, people criticize Bill Johnson and all that stuff. Boy, they love to sing Bethel songs, though, don't mm-hmm. they? Anyways, okay. So, so that's my, well, we'll talk about that later. Um, but, reckless um, love? Reckless love? <laughs> How do you feel Except about for reckless, reckless love. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Except yeah. for reckless love, and uh, you know, and then we'll change the lyrics to what a be you know what a wonderful, oh, wonderful yeah. name. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. Um, more emails. Uh, so, but Bill Johnson talks about how you know Holy Spirit. Um, you know, he's like so Holy Spirit's like a dove. You and he says, how do you walk in a way where you don't scare the dove away? Mm. Right? And so imagine that imagery. Mm-hmm. And he says, walking with the Holy Spirit is that way. That the only way to not scare the dove away is to be intentional about every single step that you're taking, mm-hmm. that you have the dove in mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, discipleship in the spirit is learning 
to discern how the spirit is interacting in every single moment, um, you know, mm-hmm. and being that in tune. And so I think there's there's huge practical implications for a theology of the gifts, because, um, you know, if your theology of gifts is seeking the gifts, but not the gift giver, then I think it's dangerous, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that is the that's the right critique that we should have of 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 kind of those who are on the wonky end of the the charismatic uh, movement is that you see a lot of gift seekers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a, a a practical, solid biblical theology of, of of the gifts starts with how do I walk every moment with the Holy Spirit in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think something practical, um, kind of similar to what you're saying. I grew up in a church where um, <clears throat> it's not that they they didn't believe in the Holy Spirit. It was just never talked about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think for me, after learning about like, oh, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, what? You know, mm-hmm. um, practically I started to pray to the Holy Spirit and it felt really weird, you know, because my whole life it's dear Jesus, dear God. Mm-hmm. Never did I learn dear Holy Spirit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I had wanted to acknowledge like this is the Holy Spirit is equally part, like part of God, part of the Trinity, a person, mm-hmm. a relationship that I can have. Um, and so that was something that I had kind of just integrated into my spiritual disciplines of like, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. I'm talking to you too, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was practical for me in terms of acknowledging the Holy Spirit everywhere in discipleship, like in prayer mm-hmm. in just life on life with people in my personal, like uh, spiritual formation. That was really helpful for me just to even articulate Holy Spirit, like, and to, to, to acknowledge that presence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think being in the church, I, I always knew the Holy Spirit was in the church. I always knew the Holy Spirit was there, but nobody ever like said the name, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and there was something like kind of weird about that. And mm-hmm. so learning to get comfortable with, okay, I'm comfortable with saying Holy Spirit. I'm comfortable with praying and talking to, to the Holy Spirit. So that really mm-hmm. helped a lot too. Yeah. I think, um, a crucial part of our understanding of who God is, uh, really stems from our understanding of how the spirit moves in us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times, uh, we're cautioned to uh, charismatic theology, um, like you were saying, Daniel, on the wonky side, because a lot of it feels uh, emotionally driven. Yeah. yeah. Um, but oftentimes we forget that it's the spirit that nudges us, the spirit that moves us, and mm-hmm. it's through mm-hmm. those emotions that that we're convicted. It's mm-hmm. through those emotions that we're being spoken to. Um, by God, by the Holy Spirit, He mm-hmm. He makes us grieve yeah. the things that grieves God's heart. He He makes us uh, passionate for um, the things that God wants us to be passionate for, and um, you know, it's in that understanding of who the Holy Spirit is that that we really can do the things that we had mentioned yeah. um, in developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes we, f- we leave that aside. We leave that behind because we think it's us and Jesus. We think that it's, um, you know, understanding what Jesus had said and, and doing all the things that he had said. Um, and, and that's what it means to be discipled, but it's the fruit of the spirit that yeah, that's being yeah, developed right. in us. Yeah. Um, it's the, the work of the spirit that, that leads us to be self-controlled, that leads us to, 
um, really do what God is calling us to do. Um, and so in, in understanding this theology of the gifts, mm-hmm. it's, it's the gifts of yeah. the spirit that, that we're really working with, yeah. um, in this theology. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, I a mentor of mine, uh, once said to me, and it really changes the way I thought about this. He says, uh, I only trust those who manifest the gifts of the spirit if they also manifest the fruit of the spirit. Mm. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's, that's pretty really good. good. Like that's if, really If helpful. they're manifesting the gifts of the spirit, but I don't see any fruit of the spirit, then he's like, I'm gone. Peace. You know, wow. that's yeah. really good. Actually, yeah. that's really helpful. And, and, you know, I think honestly, a lot of, a lot of us who, who are leaders, who are, um, theologians, who are pastors, uh, we we tend to forget those things yeah um we're so focused on on honing our skills so focused on honing those gifts to to be able to preach and teach and study the scriptures um that we we haven't really developed a relationship with the holy spirit in Mm -hmm. a way that that those fruits of the spirit are actually being manifest are actually yeah. being harvested and and utilized we forget what self-control looks like when yeah. we spend hours on end searching through the scriptures or reading books this is an interesting phenomenon that we're seeing in american evangelicalism and um and that is that we are we are tolerant of gifted teaching communicators mm-hmm. that potentially have anger issues pride issues mm. uh you know absolutely and so there's something about man we as, if you're a strong teacher then we're willing to excuse the the lack of fruit in your life mm. you know you have strong gifting but we'll excuse the lack of you know fruit in your life and i think we do that with teaching we might do that with a few other gifts um and uh i think in some ways that's an imbalance of understanding mm-hmm. um of what you're talking about there yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and it's the reason why we see in society so many leaders in the church falling to mm-hmm. um you know whether it's adultery falling to yeah. sexual immorality falling to um you know anger issues or financial mm-hmm. uh issues like we we see these prominent people who who we've accepted what their gifts are mm-hmm. but we we ignore the fact that they have spaces in their lives in which they haven't allowed the holy spirit to mm-hmm. to really dwell and develop um so i think these are some really great um points that we're we're, we're connecting and um you know as we transition here you know, coming back to the Hmong American church, uh, when we look at our um, church as a whole, uh, there's a lot of disunity around what charismatic theology is, how it's played out. But how do we look at scripture in a way that it challenges us, that it um, kind of spurs us to move forward in in developing a better charismatic theology? Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, if I were to put my cards on the table, uh, you know, I would consider myself, uh, you know, a charismatic person. I, I believe in uh, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, still active, continue. God still uses it in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to seek to maximize uh, the charismatic gifts, you know, all gifts, from teaching all the way down to, you know, um, speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I want to maximize all those gifts. And I think in the Hmong American church, uh, that it's important for us to, to have a perspective that the Holy Spirit, uh, there isn't one activity that a Christian can do on their own. Like if you're going to be reformed, you got to be consistently reformed across the board, mm-hmm. which means that even my evangelism, even my teaching, even my administration, I'm looking at first Corinthians chapter 12 right now. That's one of the gifts that um, Paul talks about, that even those things need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order for them to be kingdom work, you know? Mm. And so I think in the Hmong American church, if we uh, have this realization that there's actually no activity that we can do in the uh, church that um, is useful to God if it's not empowered by the Holy Spirit, that leaves us in a desperate state where we're seeking the Holy Spirit all the time. Um, and we're seeking the Holy Spirit through the Scripture. And I think Scripture is key to this because there are certain things like um, you can't uh, like you can't you can't do you can't you know, we're talking about deliverance. Um, you can't uh, exercise ignorance. You mm-hmm. know, you can yeah. only disciple ignorance. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if somebody's ignorant of something, you can't like cast it out. Like you can't <laughs> yeah. cast out the spirit of stupid. Or, mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you have to disciple. Right. But, you know, and from the other side, you can't disciple a demon. Mm-hmm. You can only cast it out in the name of Jesus, right? And so um, I think there is this approach that within the Hmong American church that we were gifted because we are naturally uh, aware of spiritual warfare. Uh, you know, we have been a little bit desensitized in a Western context because spiritual warfare happens in different ways. Mm-hmm. But because of our shamanistic, animistic background, we have a little bit, you know, we still have a little bit more of a heightened awareness of different kinds of spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, that's a gift that we have um, and that we need to continue to hone. You, This is the thing, and I w- want to say this to, you know, our, our brothers and sisters who are, you know, theologically educated. That in some cases, spiritual warfare is not an issue of like theological ignorance. It is an issue of power, you know, mm-hmm. like spiritual power. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, there are strongholds. There are things that um, uh, that are way beyond our 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 thinking and our knowledge base. Um, that more education cannot solve, you know, more mm-hmm. Christian education can't solve, more Bible studies can't solve, that only the manifest presence of Jesus and his spirit can solve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we, we can't, for, we can't uh, forget that, that if we're, if we're, here's another spiritual, <clears throat> another aspect of spiritual warfare. If we defined how we approach our faith too much by the enlightenment, which is this rationalistic, logical way to, to think. Um, I, and I think a lot of our academic, you know, theology is kind of geared towards that. Um, that's just another different way of doing spiritual warfare. You know, um, mm-hmm. the, the enemy is winning in, in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. We can only tune our ears to the Holy Spirit through Scripture. How mm-hmm. do you hear the Holy Spirit? How do you know the Spirit's moving? The only way you know it's like uh, is the Scriptures. Scriptures mm-hmm. is a tuning fork for us uh, in hearing the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think you know as as we look at how to practically apply charismatic theology um, in our ministries as we're thinking about. Um, you know, what it looks like to develop giftings, to to disciple individuals. Um, a lot of what we've touched on already as far as um, learning to, to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit is going to be crucial um, to 
to what it means to disciple, to what it means to develop gifts. Um, and, and as leaders, if we're not already practicing these things, it's going to be impossible for us to encourage mm-hmm. yeah. others to, to do so in the same way. It's going to be um, so difficult to, to tell someone to trust in the Spirit more, to, to rely on the, the peace that the Holy Spirit gives you, um, to understand the ways that you're being convicted. Um, without that relationship with the Holy Spirit, without, um, like Daniel, you were saying, that understanding of the Scriptures, um, like don't read the Bible just to read the Bible and be able to pull out verses to, to combat arguments and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Like read the Scriptures to know who God is more. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same light that we were talking about Reformed theology, charismatic theology is helping us to understand the works of the Spirit, yeah. um, to understand what it is that God is moving us towards um, uh, through the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And so as we look at Scripture, it's going to challenge us to... Uh, really look at our lives, look at what we're doing, look at how we're walking with the Lord. Um, you know, one of my favorite questions to ask and, and to answer is people are always wondering what's the will of God? Like what is, Mm -hmm. what's God's will in my life right now? Um, and oftentimes we're expecting these big answers as far as like, oh, he wants you to go out and do this. And we want specific answers as far as like, oh, you have to make this decision. Um, but oftentimes we forget that uh, his will isn't like this giant mystery to us. Uh, his will is given to us in his word. His will is given to us through the moving of, of the Holy Spirit. And, and oftentimes we're just too afraid um, to lean into that space, mm-hmm. um, too afraid to, to trust our emotions. Um, yeah. and, and to be honest, it can be okay to be, be afraid of what your emotions are telling you when you're not connected with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. But, but when you have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, we know that we can move in peace based on how he's convicting us. Um, so as we kind of wrap up this episode, as we, um, have developed these thoughts around charismatic theology. Um, what have some of your experiences experiences been <laughs> um, charismatically? What are ways that you've seen the Spirit work in your lives? What are ways? Myla, can you um, pray in tongues for us real quick? <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just not a long one, just a short one. <laughs> we'll, we'll pray that in, uh, to close. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, let's see. She's actually trying to pray in tongues. <laughs> just sifting through just so, yeah. Holy Spirit come. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, I guess, let's see, prophecy, right? Mm. Um, the gift of prophecy. A big, a big reason why I came to school was because of a prophetic word that was given to me. Mm. Um, had I not, I, I think had I not heard God um, in that way, I think there would have, I may not have come to school just because I I had so much doubt about coming to school. So the story is freaking out. Don't want to go to school. What God, that's your will for me. I didn't Mm -hmm. have that planned. And so I kind of had this prayer of God, if if you really want me to go to school, you have to say it to me. Like Mm. you literally have to like prove it to me and say it so clearly Mm -hmm. that I'm being disobedient if I don't go to school. Mm -hmm. So, 
I was working at the time. I was a, a manager at a hospital, and there was a janitor. She would come to my room every day and just um, water my plants because, like, I just can't keep plants alive. So every day she'd come in, water my plants, and that was kind of our routine. Um, and so that day I had prayed to God, you know, prove it to me. And she came into my room to water my plants, was doing our routine. She just kind of closed the door. She's like, I have something to say to you. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm up for a chat. And then she was just like, you're not supposed to be here. There's something you're fighting that you don't want to go to, but God wants you to go, you yeah. know? And my jaw just kind of dropped because I'm like, you're not here for the plants, are you? Mm. You know, mm. but it was so clear. I mean, that is as that's as clear as it can get, I think, sometimes of of – God saying, all right, you asked for it. Here's a prophetic word from a, a janitor that mm. she's not even a believer, you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. So that was crazy for me. And I think for me, if I put God in a box, that's not real, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like there's doubt. There's some mm -hmm. weird, you know, skepticism there. It's but coincidence. Yeah, yeah, it's coincidence. Mm -hmm. But then I look at that at the same time and I'm like, God, you're moving this has to be you. Mm -hmm. There is there is no other explanation, too. So I think that's a pretty crazy one for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, yeah, I mean, boy, uh, man, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm sifting through which story I should tell <laughs> and which one's the shortest one because, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, I mean, I, I am a charismatic, uh, yeah, I consider myself Reformed, charismatic, Baptist, uh, complementarian, soft complementarian. So that's kind of like, you know, if I had to use labels, um, you know, here's the thing about me. I, I don't share this, um, uh, you know, in a, uh, with purposefully trying to be provocative. Um, when I, when I, uh, started praying in tongues, Boy, I just opened up a can right there, y'all. <laughs> this well, episode our, our did episode not end yet. <laughs> has, so Daniel's actually going to pray. 40, 40 minutes into it. Uh, and, you know, I actually give a, a whole entire sermon on this. Um, so if anybody's interested in theology behind it, I can I can totally nuance it out. But mm -hmm. for me, that experience taught me uh, so much more about the other gifts. Um, praying in tongues is... Um, yeah, rooted in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul talks about uh, how he wants to pray in the spirit, but also pray with his mind. Um, for me, it it it, it did it, it demystified uh, the supernatural. Now, the supernatural is very mystical. I don't know. I don't understand how it works. <laughs> Praying in tongues for me actually helped me understand that even though it's mystical, that you can demystify some of it in the sense mm -hmm. that, you know, we think that evangelism is um, a, almost like a, a human agency. Like mm -hmm. You need to go evangelize or you, teaching, you know, teaching is a complete human agency thing or mm -hmm. pastoring people. It's completely a uh, human agency. And then for some reason, we put tongues and prophecy in this completely different camp where it's only acceptable mm. when it's full on mysterious and, you know, it's, it's almost like you're possessed by the Holy spirit and that's why you're speaking in tongues or mm -hmm. praying in tongues. Mm -hmm. I realize that there's human agency in things like praying in tongues mm -hmm. and prophecy, just like there's human agency with evangelism and teaching and administration and gifts of mercy, that there's a willfulness to participate. And the way that I came to that conclusion, and, you know, I'm just going to have to leave you guys in a cliffhanger if you want to know 
my personal experience, but the way that I came to that conclusion and then what I would say, you know, the language people use, I don't use this language, but when I receive my prayer language, like I don't use that. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's completely accurate about it. Uh, But when I uh, prayed uh, in tongues for the first time, it was because I came to this conclusion, this, I I bent to the Holy Spirit in this way, um, that if there's anything the Holy Spirit wanted to give me, would I ever reject it? You know, whatever, reject it. And I came to this conclusion, and I had to fight. Like, I was fighting tradition. I was fighting me. I was fighting my skepticism. Mm-hmm. And I, I I remember forcefully, willfully saying, no, if the Holy Spirit wants to give me anything, then I'm going to receive it. You know? mm-hmm. And to me, that, uh, that, that really opened up uh, my imagination. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it also it helped me understand evangelism better, that, mm-hmm. you know, um, as much as I've made it a human activity, it's a Holy Spirit activity. But as much as we make tongues and prophecy a Holy Spirit activity, it's also a human activity. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. found in the incarnation of Christ. It's both God and man. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so I'm out of the closet. I'm no longer a closet charismatic. <laughs> I'm praying tongues. Um, mm-hmm. And I still have a, a huge respect for, um, you know, uh, for uh, other spiritual disciplines. Um, I don't think I'm a wonky person. But I'm also okay if a little crazy comes in, as long as it's mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit doing the crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I won't share any of my experiences, but if you want to hear them, you can message me on Facebook or shoot me an email. Um, but that that's a great, really great word. Is and, and what I heard in that is, are we willing to participate in what the Spirit leads us into? Mm-hmm. Are we in a relationship that's trusting enough of the Holy Spirit that that's deep enough with the Holy Spirit that when it convicts us, when it gives us gifts, when it says edify the church in this way, regardless of how you understand it, are you willing to participate in those works with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit? Um, and and really, I think that's where we have to to conclude is where are our hearts in in yeah. this space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are we willing to? to work with the Holy Spirit in the ways that he calls us to. So thank you for joining us today on this uh, episode and this journey. And we pray that um, as you guys are listening, that you are continuing to have these conversations in your your circles um, and that you'd uh, be edified through these conversations. Um, so let me pray and we'll close out. Lord, we thank you so much for these opportunities to come together and and understand who you are better, Lord. We thank you for these topics and for these ways that we can um, really challenge ourselves to recognize the ways that you're working in the church. Lord God, we thank you that you don't allow us to have just one experience of who you are, Lord, but that... um, There are so many different ways that you've allowed us to experience your love and your grace and your Mm -hmm. gifting, Lord God. We thank you that you gift the body of Christ with so many different gifts, um, Lord, that we're able to to serve each other in so many different ways. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would give us opportunities to partner with your Holy Spirit. God, that you would give us opportunities to um, trust you in the ways that you communicate with us, Lord, that we would have our ears close to your heart and that we would understand the ways that you're working in us and through Mm -hmm. us. 
So Lord, as we continue to have these conversations, as we continue to move into the world and um, find ways to share your kingdom with the others uh, who haven't seen or known you yet, Lord God, would you help us to understand the promptings of your Holy Spirit? And would your conviction move us to do what is right, move us to be obedient to you and your calling? And so, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for all these things, and we lift all these things up to you in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Hey, this is Daniel. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. Myla, George, and myself will be back again with another discussion about Hmong American identity, theology, and mission. Uh, but can you do us a favor? Can you share the Yesu Communitas podcast with your friends? And then also remember to like today's show, uh, share it out on Facebook, and then subscribe to Yesu Communitas on iTunes. All right, see you in the next episode.